When I was asked to speak, when Tina sent me a text, said, Kendall, you're going to speak Wednesday. I don't know what day that was, but I was mindful from that moment, that conversation on, that text on, of what I would, uh, I, wanted, I wanted something to say that I haven't said before, and I wanted to, or something that I haven't, and something that I haven't heard before as well. And so I, uh, a few days later, it was the, it was the 28th of September, and sometimes on a on a morning time, maybe once a week, I'll just, in my morning reading, Bible reading time, I'll choose to read the Psalms. Now, stay with me if you're not a math person. This, this won't last but just a moment. There are 150 Psalms, ch- chapters in the Psalms, and there's 30 days in a, in, in, a, in a month. If you wanted to read all of Psalms in one month, you would read five chapters a day. If it was the first of the month, you would read one through five. What if it's the tenth of the month? You wake up and it's the tenth of the month. What do you, and you just want to turn to it quickly. Here's how you do it. You take the day of the week, let's say it's the tenth, times five is 50. You'd go back four and you read 46 through 50. Okay, that's what's what just, they just, once you do that a lot, you, that's, it's easier to do. I woke up on the 28th, 28 times five is 140. Minus back up four, 136. I was going to read one through 136 through 140 on the 28th of September. Okay. Here we are. I read that that morning. I opened up my word to the, on the 28th to the uh, 136th chapter. And I was disappointed. I don't enjoy these. I don't know what they're called, Pastor Ken where you look down and you see the same stanza, this repetitive. But when my parents repeated themselves to me, it's because I needed to hear something over and over. When God repeats himself, I need to hear it over and over. So I said, okay, God, I'm going to go to the end of this. And listen, you guys are really fortunate today because it goes a lot further. We're not going to do that. But let's do this. Let's do that reading thing. Have you ever done that in church where person at the the, uh, podium they read what's different. I don't know what these are called. And here's, here's your role. Your role is to read the blue, which is the same thing over and over and over. And it's 7 o'clock in the morning and you're tired and it's a lot longer than this. But you're, you're getting off good today. Are you ready? Are you going to, you have to participate. I read this, you read the blue. Here we go. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. It's not going to get any different, okay? This is it. Give thanks to the God of gods. And give thanks to the Lord of lords. To the one who performs magnificent, amazing deeds all by himself. And to the one who, and on and on it went, okay? So when I finished this chapter, it took about a minute or two, I went on to 137, I was through 140, and the way I will get a message often if I know that I'm looking for a word to, to, to receive or to get a hold of, I will most often see the painted picture at the end. That's just what, that's just, and then I figure out how to begin it and how to get to the end. It's just the way my brain, my mind works. And when I came to the end of this, I got your message this morning, and I did not even need to read any of this. And then for the next couple of days, I will get us, uh, I will give you today what I received. And so, here is your message this morning, and it is. 
planning your retirement. Young people, don't stay with me. Some of the older ones will tell us retirement is for the latter years. Planning is for the younger, the earlier years. And so today we're going to look at a person in the Bible, a real person named, and you know this man, his name is Jonathan. I love Jonathan. I can find nothing in the Word of God that would speak of any ill uh, uh, character traits in the man that we know as Jonathan. He is found in, I believe it's A-N, I believe Jonathan is found in the Samuel, oh, 16th, 17th chapter. He shows up as a great, a great man of valor. He, he, Jonathan loved his country. He loved his people. He loved his father. His father I believe loved him and, and his nation, his country loved Jonathan. We cannot separate Jonathan from David. That's just how they're just a package to us in the body of Christ, how Jonathan and David have, have been presented together. And Jonathan, uh, we find in maybe 17th chapter, 18th chapter of 1 Samuel, David has just slain Goliath. He walks into King Saul's tent, and he has Goliath's head. I know it's brunch. He has Goliath's head in his hand. And, and King Saul looks at Jonathan. He says, who's, who's, your, who's your father? Whose father are yours, is yours? He said, I am David, the son of Jesse. From the, from the town of Bethlehem. And the word says that when that conversation ended, that's what the word says, when that conversation ended, that Jonathan's, this is, I like this translation, it says Jonathan's soul, it was woven to David's. We all know this. This, this passage seems to define the friendship between Jonathan and David. When I got out of uh, design school, I went to an apartment complex with my young, beautiful wife, and we checked. We were, you know, you do an application to get into the apartments in the Woodlands, Texas, and a, uh, um, the receptionist looks at my application, and we get in, and she sees where I came from, the, the design art school, and she, she, she handed me a, a business card, and it had a, had a man's uh, name on it. And she said, and I didn't know this woman. She said, I want you to call this man. Call him today. When you walk out, I'm going to call, he, I'm going to call him, and he's going to know you're calling, and I want you to go see him probably tonight. And I called him, and, and just a young kid, I was just young, and just bouncing off the walls in life and did I didn't know what was going on wasn't just didn't really care too much walked into his home in the woodlands had a had a nice house he 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 was an envelope painter 
what? Can a man make a living at painting envelopes? I thought, well, his, his, wife, his, his wife must be a lawyer. No, she worked full-time assisting him in his business. And when I walked in the door, and he was maybe close to my dad's age, had kids, I learned later, maybe about my age. You know, and I, I don't... I, I really believe in that moment when I walked in, and he was growing older, he was old school, he had accomplished so much. He, he was, he was the, the supreme, what he did for a living, he was tops in the nation. And he had in his hand every, every, the, the favor of every person that worked in the stamp industry, and they spent thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars on little stamps. And, they, and he was just in with them, and they supported him for a living. He did really well. He'd done it for about maybe 20 or 30 years. And, and I didn't care about the guy too much. I was a kid. I just wanted to go to the movies that night. But I believe his, when I walked in, I believe that God connected his heart with mine. God didn't connect my heart with him. And he, he, he took me, he took me in, took me to conventions, to shows, to what they call bourses. He took me into rooms where it was filled with smoke back then and, and, and there were these very wealthy people and, and uh, I, I, I would walk in the door and he'd have his arm around me. He'd say, hey everybody, this is Kendall Bevel. He is the up-and-coming envelope painter in the country. And, he'd, and everywhere we'd go, he'd introduce me. And, and he, he eventually handed me, I mean, literally handed me a printed-off subs, subscriber List. These are of, of everybody in the nation that was passionate about spending their lives income on silly painted envelopes. He handed it to me. And he knew, it just seems like the moment he met me, he was going to become less. He didn't care. He was spent. He was done. And I, and I was the new guy. And, he, and, he, he, and I just, I really, look, the word doesn't say that that when the conversation with King Saul and David was over, that David connected John, his heart to Jonathan. Jonathan was just a 15-year-old kid. He didn't care. He was out. He was just having fun killing bears and lions and giants. But this was a bigger moment. Jonathan, I believe, when jo I believe, look, do you know who Jonathan was? He, Jonathan, Jonathan, David was about 15 and we think of Jonathan and David as, hi, I'm Jonathan. Hey, I'm David. Oh, I like your, I like your sling. I, yeah, I like you too. Hey, let's go ride bikes. Let's go ride skateboards in the hallways at my dad's castle. And they grew up, to, and they grew up together. You, that, isn't that what we think? Jonathan was 42. About. What is, what is this about? I truly believe that Jonathan's role in David's life was not as some 
buddy that played games with and grew up together. I truly believe. This is, I, haven't, I can't find this, but I truly believe at this age, Jonathan was the prince destined to be the king of Israel, loved by his people, loved by his nation, loved by his comrades. And this guy was no wimp. He'll put the hurt on you. He was a commander in his father's army. And Jonathan, I believe, where do you think David learned to fight? Well, I truly believe that Jonathan was destined not to be king, but have such a good relationship with, with David. And he was so secure. He knew where he wanted Jonathan. I believe when he saw, I believe when Jonathan saw David slay Goliath on the battlefield. I just want to believe that, that Jonathan in his heart was whispered by God, that is the next king of Israel. What did, what did Jonathan do? He gave him his sword. He gave him his belt. You know, you guys have been, you guys have been seeing this sword in front of you going into battle. I'm giving it to David, okay? I, this, look, David, hold it up. Look at this. Wow, David, you look good. Guys, doesn't David look good? And, uh, and then David, David is employed into, into uh, he first is employed after this tent Goliath moment. He goes, uh, he becomes a musician. Then he, again, he becomes a commander in King Saul's army. And you know what happens. You know that. You know the story. You know that that, uh, that that Saul's losing his mind. He's so jealous. And I and, and I love this passage in in, in First Samuel that where it describes David's uh, his exploits, his skill in doing battle. This is such a godsend for every mother and father whose 20-year-old son, that's the age he went into battle in Israel, for every son that goes into battle, the word tells us that David, he led the men into battle, 20-year-old children. He led them into battle. And the word says, and he led them out. <laughs> Come on, can you imagine now, Pastor Ron, when we go, when he goes on a mission trip, think, you think that, number one, he wants to get people saved. Oh, or number two, he wants, he's project-driven. He wants to see some shutters made, okay? You know, and number three, he wants to do this. And number four, he wants to do this. Let me tell you what number one is. Number one. He wants to lead them out. You will find he'll make a declaration when we all come home. He'll say, God, thank you for bringing us home safely. Okay? That's, that is what a great leader does. And every time, and Saul, here's what Saul said. I'm going to make him commander of an army because I hate David. I hate him, I hate him, I hate him. And the word says that Saul said, I don't, I'm not going to have to kill him. I'm not going to have to kill David. The Philistines are going to kill him. Because David was the one, David was the type that didn't stand in the back and tell the guys what to do with the binoculars. He led the fight. He thought for sure he's going to die. 
But he kept going out. He kept leading young men into battle. And he kept leading young men out of battle. And every time he led them out of battle, the, he, he, he pulled up, he pulled up to, to mom's house and dropped off a kid, a 20-year-old kid. And then the woman goes, thank you, David. Thank you for bringing my boys home. You know, I love you. I'm going to write a song about you tonight. And it just grew and it just grew and it grew till finally David, David, and then, then David, then King Saul said, these Philistines, they're not getting this. They got to kill David. I know what I'll do. I'll give him one of my daughters in marriage and then he's going to be a king's son-in-law. He's a marked man. But he kept going into battle and coming back home. I'll, I'll do it again. He gives him two of his daughters. And he's like, hey, Philistines, come on, get it. Double son-in-law of the king. And he kept going into battle and he kept coming back. And, and finally, David, and more than once, King Saul had made an attempt on David's life. And finally, it was the last straw. I guess the spirit just came too close to David's head from Saul's hands. He runs out of the castle with nothing, bolts out. He's in the field. You know the story. He's trying to convince Jonathan, your dad really hates me. Nah, he's just having a bad day. He does this all the time. No, no, I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm getting on my horse, and I'm, 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 out. I'm out of here. And he was. He was, he was out of there. And he was on his way out, and, and they, they work out a, a thing where, you know, look, I look there's a two- or three-day festival. You stay here in the field, David. I'll go back. We'll see how your dad handles your, your absence. Dad explodes. King Saul explodes. Jonathan stands or comes to his defense. His dad is crazy. He's just lost his mind. The hand of God is being lifted off of King Saul. Samuel the prophet, he's done with King Saul. God looks like he's just about done with King Saul. King Saul tries to kill his son. Jonathan runs out, goes out into the field. You're right, David. This is it. Now, go with me here. Go with me. We got to talk to some sense into Jonathan's head. Come on, Jonathan. Your heart is, your soul is woven. It's knit, the word says, to the soul of David. You got to, look, he's about to ride out of town for what God, and God has great things for him. You got to go with him. Let's talk to Jonathan. Let's have fun. Let's bring this to a pause and go with me. Jonathan, look, Jonathan. Jonathan, 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 look. You got to go with David. We, we have read First and Second Samuel, Jonathan, and, and, and Here's what's going to happen. Your friend David, he's going to ride out of here. And God's going to begin to add to him great mighty men. He's going to travel the land. And Israel is going to, Israel, the heart of Israel is going to ride with him. You, Jonathan, you're a commander. You've got to go with him. You'll be over his armies. This is perfect. This is God. Oh, man, this is your day, Jonathan. You got, Jonathan, you've got to go. Thanks, Pastor Kendall. But no, I think I'll stay with my dad. Jonathan, listen, he's going to marry, David's going to ride out of here and soon he'll marry this really fine, sweet girl named Abigail. Man, she's, she's sharp as a tack. You, ha, you, will be the, you will be the best man in that wedding. You, I can just see you there. No, I'm happy. Thanks, Pastor Kendall. I'm happy, happy for my, my friend, but no, no. 
think I'll stay at my dad's house. Oh, Jonathan, I can see it now. Perfect ticket. I can see the, I can see the, the, the signs in the yards. David, Jonathan. I mean, you can ride into the castle one day. Yeah. No, I think, I think I'll stay. I think I'll stay with dad. Jonathan. I didn't want to tell you this. It's true because we have read it, Jonathan. David, David's going to ride out of here in a moment. He's going to swing by because he, he fled from your father so quickly. He has no food. He has no sword. He's going to swing by the temple where Ahimelech you know Ahimelech? Oh, yeah, I love Ahimelech and his family. Yeah, you know, well, he's going to swing by Ahimelech. He's going to really not, he's going to really be, not be real honest with Ahimelech in, in sharing that he is on the, the outs with, with, uh, with uh, the king, but he's going to ask for some, some bread, and, 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 and then you know, Ahimelech's going to go in, in there, and behind the ephod, he's going to pull out, ooh, he's gonna, you know, David's, uh, the sword that David killed Goliath with. You know, he comes out. Hey, this is what I got, David. I'll take it. Give it to me. You know, thanks for the bread. Be on his way. Jonathan, I'm so sorry. I got to tell you this. I want you to know what you're choosing. I'm sorry, Jonathan. Your dad, for what Ahimelech did, that one kind act to David, your dad is going to slaughter. He's going to murder in cold blood, Ahimelech, for that, and his wife, and his children, and the other 84 temple servants that have given their life to serve God. He's going to murder them in cold blood, and their wives, and all their children. Oh, no, no, no. Well, it just means how much, how much more my father and my nation needs me. I choose to stay. Fine, Jonathan, have it your way. And as David is about to ride off, Jonathan says, listen, swear to me, David, that when you become king, you'll be good to my family. And, Jonathan, and David says, Done. And do you know that when um, Jonathan was maybe 57, his, his, uh, him and his two brothers and his father, he was fighting alongside King Saul, and they were in the heat of battle. The Philistines had overwhelmed them, and the Philistines had identified the king and the three sons. They were in hot pursuit of the four of them. Jonathan was slain on the battlefield that day. It was a dark day, along with um, his two brothers. At the age of 57, Jonathan died that day. He died next to, he died literally next to his father. Jonathan was slain, his two brothers. His father was wounded 
in that moment. And then his father, King Saul, fell on his own sword, took his own life. King. A sad day, yeah? Yeah, maybe. This is exactly. This is where Jonathan chose to retire. This is, this was Jonathan's retirement plan. Though his heart was knit to David's, and though it may have on that day when David rode out, it got ripped out of his heart early as a young person, as a young man with resources and a life ahead of him. He made the decision. He decided where he would be found at the end of his days. He had decided to be found in the house of his father. And I can just see, I can just see after David rode off, Jonathan turns to his armor bearer, the, the kid that he hangs with, and then said, you know, you got my, you got my arrows? You know, they had, they had chased some arrows. Come on, buddy. Let's, uh, let's go to the house. Let's go see dad. Walks in the castle. Hey, dad. We'll work this out, you know. I'll, I'll put out some fires for you. I'll write some speeches for you tomorrow. Why? Why did he walk back home to dad instead of riding off with David? Because he was determined to stick to his retirement plan. And I want to encourage you today. Listen, your heart may get ripped out. You may suffer violence between now and the end of your days. Write your, I want to encourage you, write your retirement plan today, and it is this. Where will you be found when you lay down to die? Where when you retire, not from your job, when, you re, when your life is spent, it isn't just having the capacity to love the church I did ministry in, in the street, on the streets of Houston when I was 18 to 20 years old. And I still have a friendship with about 10 of those guys. There were about 10 of us. Out of 10 of them, maybe two to three are in the church today. Isn't that interesting? They didn't have a retirement plan. Oh, they loved. And they got people born again. Look, this isn't, this isn't about how much God loves this spell, this is about God loving, having his heart ripped out by your sin and our the stupid things we do in life. This is God enduring. This whole thing, this whole thing is about God enduring. Yeah. Brianna, she 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 a man got on his knees and and, and pledged his life to her. You know what he did? You know what he did? In part, he wrote a retirement plan. And here's what he will do. Oh, he'll love her on his wedding day. Pfft. Yeah, she's beautiful. Who wouldn't? You know? That's, but you know what? We know what you know what Hunter will do? I know in his heart. 
He's chosen. He's chosen where he will be at the end of his days. Even if his heart gets ripped out, even if life gets hard, and that's what we're called to do. Not just, look, this, you see, we can, Pastor Kenny, you're preaching to the choir. I sure am, and I hope the choir will all be here in 20 years. I, my, stay, stay, make, make a decision. Make a decision, stir your heart on a regular basis and be ready for life to be hard and, 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 and decree and declare that you will be found at the end of your days serving your heavenly Father. Jonathan led a perfect life and it ended just as he had planned, not when he had planned. It ended just as he had planned. I might resign tomorrow, not from my job, from life. I might breathe my last breath tomorrow. I might breathe my last breath when I'm 85 or 90. I will be found serving in the house of God at the end of my life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we choose today, Father, to write a retirement plan and to look at it, Father, often to open it up and sit down in, in our mornings and look at it. And, and we declare today, Father, that we, at the end of our days, we will be found. Having spent our resources in our life, it will take us to where we want to be at the end of our days, and that is serving God <laughs> and serving God and, and, and being found in the house with our Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name.